I'd like to go back into the subject of prayer this evening and think about praying for those who are outside of a relationship with Jesus, praying for uh, unbelievers, or another way of saying it would be uh, how to be more uh, evangelistic in our prayers. How can we pray as we think about reaching uh, others? And so let's go back and uh, saturate our mind with some thoughts about prayer uh, this evening. We're not exaggerating when we say that the future depends on the prayers of righteous people. The future depends on the prayers of Christians. In James 5 and verse 16, you know what it says. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Avails much. In other words, it is very effectual in its working. In other words, it gets the job done. James 5, verse 16. Looking over with me, we've looked at this verse a couple of times. John 15 and verse 7. As we work our way into our thoughts. John 15 and verse number 7. If you'll notice... Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. A shortcut is simply to say that praying is a response to God's word. When we read God's word, it creates a desire in us to do his word. But we need God's help to do his will. And so Jesus here saying, if my words abide in you, then you will want to ask things of me. You will ask and I will respond. And so in a lot of ways, prayer is a response to uh, the word of God. Now let's think more specifically about how can we be more evangelistic in our prayers or... What is it that we can do to pray? How, how do you go about praying for unbelievers? Praying for un, unbelievers. So, number one, we've got a plan to talk to someone and then pray before we talk to them. We've got a plan to talk to someone about their soul and then pray before you talk to that person. Okay, even if it's a chance meeting. I would say that you just need to quickly say a prayer to God before you continue talking to that person. You see, we don't need to get to God's work without asking for God's help. We don't need to try to do God's work without His help. And one of the main things of doing God's work is, is to talk to people who don't believe or talk to someone who doesn't completely know about uh, Christ. Turn with me to Acts chapter 13 for a moment and notice a situation there. You might remember this is the chapter, it's a very famous chapter, of when Paul and Barnabas will be sent out on missionary journeys. 
the assembly or the gathering, the focus is the church in Antioch. So notice with me in, in Acts 13, beginning in verse 1. Acts 13, beginning in verse 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then after, he said this, there was more fasting and praying. They laid their hands on them and sent them off. So notice the simple connection there of the work that's about to be done, which we know, going to teach the gospel all over uh, the creation. And then the praying and fasting that occurred before they went out. We must, we must find people to talk to, but before we talk to them, we need to pray uh, to God. Now notice the word there, ministering. Did you see that? Some translations will have the word worship there. If you notice it in verse, um, verse number uh, 2, while they were worshiping the Lord or ministering to Him and fasting. The word minister there uh, has some worship overtones to it. it is, it's an old word that refers to priest, the service of a priest. Okay. Uh, but it's brought over in the New Testament and translated through the Greek language because every Christian is a priest of God. Uh, Christians are called in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, uh, they are called um, a royal priesthood. We are servants and priests under King Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, the church is called the temple of the Lord. And so we are priests in the temple of the Lord. And these priests here mentioned in these verses are about to be sent out. Uh, part of them are. Notice that they are teachers, so they're teaching there locally in Antioch. But then the Holy Spirit, God himself, wanted uh, some going out into the world. But in both of these cases, whether teaching close by or teaching as going into the world, there was prayer and fasting. Okay. Notice, go back with me if you don't mind to Acts chapter 6 and remember the occasion there. <clears throat> you remember that there were many um, widows in those days in Jerusalem needing some service. The apostles appointed uh, men of faithful uh, character and uh, faithfulness to God to take care of this uh, service. And then notice the reasoning here, Acts 6 and verse uh, 4. They said, uh, we will devote ourselves to prayer and ministry of the word. And I suggest to you that their prayers were most likely full of praying for people they were trying to reach. A ministry of the word has much to do with reaching people with the gospel. Of course, it would involve other works, just like taking care of widows and so forth. But ministry of the word uh, in this context primarily refers to taking the word, uh, helping people to understand 
uh, the word concerning Jesus, especially in his resurrection, his church, salvation of the soul. They were going to continue in prayer and ministry of the word. Okay, so the first ideal here is as we reach out to a lost world, be sure to pray for the one that you're trying to reach out and, and help. Spend a lot of time, if you can, in prayer for that person. Um, just personally, I know that how many times I have walked up to a doorstep and uh, as I'm walking, I'm praying because you don't really know what's going to happen. Even if, if someone has agreed to study with you, you still, until you sit down, until you have that, that opening um, of the Bibles, you don't know what's about to hit you. So it does take a lot of prayer. Remember the verse uh, Hebrews 4.16 where um, the apostle says, um, let us therefore draw near to the throne of grace with boldness that we may be able to find grace to help us in a time of need. Now, there's a lot of times of need. Brother Paul, when you're about to open up the gospel with someone and they need this, you need help right then. You need help uh, right then. That moment is a very nervous moment. And uh, even if you're as prepared as you possibly can be, even if you have your backpack full of Bibles, you've got plenty of Bibles, you've got, you've got good uh, little pamphlets with you, and you're ready to sit down, still, um, you, at that time, you need the Lord's grace uh, to help you. Okay, so that's the first thought as we think about being more evangelistic in our prayers. A second thought is this, to be sure to pray with a lot of lists. Uh, write down uh, people's names uh, and do it in a very uh, tremendous way. Pray a list. I think of Jesus in Luke six twelve when he prayed all night. He prayed absolutely all night long. Luke 6, verse 12. And this was right before his choosing the 12 apostles. A very important choice. I wonder how many different names Jesus went through that night in prayer. A lot of good disciples already. By the time Jesus prays this all-night prayer, uh, there were already a lot of good followers. Very faithful, dedicated men uh, to serve. I wonder how many names he went through before he finally settled. And I'm sure that prayer had a lot to do <clears throat> with his uh, selection of the 12 apostles. But we also need to be in the habit of, of lists. There's lots of lists. I suggest that you uh, make some lists and keep that list with you all the time and add to it for years, months, days, months, and years. I heard a lady share one time how that she had lots of prayer lists, names on that list, and she was going to the airport, she was at the Atlanta airport and she was flying to Denver, and there was a senator there. And she had been praying for that senator. He was on her prayer list. She had her prayer list, prayer list with her. And it just so happened he sat next to her at the, on the plane, on the flight, and she showed him uh, his name on her list. And then she said um, to him, would you humor me in letting me show you some Bible verses? And he said, sure. So she had an opportunity to share God's word with a senator 
of the United States, but she had had his name on, on her list for over seven years. And so let me encourage you to make lists. Uh, do it with a reckless abandon. Just make a lot of lists. Make lists. Uh, dare yourself to make a list of everyone uh, from movie stars to people to someone who might ask you for food on the corner of the road. Uh, people at church, people that you see uh, every day, people you think about, think people maybe you haven't seen in a while. Make a list and just see how many you can name. Add to it and just pray with a great deal of faith about that list. I would suggest that you write it down. That you write it down. <clears throat> when we write things down, that creates a habit. Now, I'm not saying you can't create a habit by not writing things down, but uh, for most of us, uh, actually writing it down or typing it out or at least creating a list of some sort uh, helps our habit. <clears throat> you can try to keep it in your mind. Keep, do you try to keep lists in your mind? Do you walk around with a bunch of lists in your mind? Usually at some point in your life, if you do that, you'll start talking to yourself. Okay. And then you'll start talking to the wall. And then you'll start talking to the chair. Because you, you're all, you got so many lists in your mind. Okay. I would suggest for your soul-saving and prayer efforts uh, to go ahead and just write, write it down and make your list. And keep that list with you and, and pray, pray about it. Or take a journal. You know, a, lot of, a lot of nice prayer journals out there nowadays, but somehow, um, guys, you might not want to carry a pink little journal around, but you can take slips of paper and write down names, keep it in your Bible, and when you do your Bible study and your prayer, there are those names with you. Write those names down, carry that, the names of those people into your little prayer closet. Do you have a prayer closet? Do you have a special place of prayer? If you do have a special place of prayer, then perhaps that list uh, could stay right there at your special place. But if you pray here and there, then take it with you with your Bible. So in reaching out to a lost world and trying to pray about it, uh, a third suggestion I think that comes from the Bible is uh, to pray for opportunities. Pray to the Lord for opportunities uh, to share the word. Let's be turning over to Colossians 4 and read together. Colossians uh, 4. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, right? Go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians 4, looking down to Paul's words here in verse 2. Verse 2, Colossians 4, beginning in verse 2, where Paul says, Continue steadfastly in prayer. We're going to do that, Paul. What else you need? Uh, Paul says, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. All right. Verse 3, at the same time, now Paul's expecting a lot of us, a lot from us in our prayers. Okay, so continue steadfastly, be thankful. But also he says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. Do you have that marked in your Bible? God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So pray to God for opportunities. This is what Paul uh, is doing. Notice his words also from 1 Corinthians 16 along this line. If you want to flip back. 1 Corinthians uh, 16. 
and you'll appreciate this very much. He's, he's just giving an update uh, on some of his travel plans. If you look down to um, verse 5, 1 Corinthians uh, 16, verse 5, he says, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you just now in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord uh, wills. Verse 8. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door. A wide door for effective work is open to me there. And there are many adversaries. Now notice, Paul is not going to leave Ephesus because there is opposition. He looks at this as an opportunity. And he says, I want you to pray for me uh, that these doors will remain open. You know, that's one thing about doors. They open up and then they close. We want to pray to the Lord that he will open up doors for us have an opportunity to teach someone. So in the beginning, in the beginning of your day, as you open up your day in prayer to God, will you consider praying, Lord, lead me to some soul today. Lord, lead me to some soul today. Now, that's a great song that we sing sometimes. Lord, lead me to some soul today. But notice what the song is not saying. It's not saying, Lord, um, if I happen upon somebody today who happens to need the gospel, please help me to have something good to say to them. That's not the prayer that we're looking for here. We're looking for a straightforward, straight-out prayer to God. Lord, I want to reach somebody today. Please lead me to that somebody. Uh, maybe an example of, of a prayer you want, might want to pray is to pray to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to see uh, the possibilities of salvation that's out here in the world. And Jesus sends, send us out, sends us out into the world. The possibilities must be out here. They must be somewhere. He, wouldn't, he would not send us. By the way, the Lord's not going to set up a situation where we can't go preach His Word. Okay? There will never come a situation on this earth where we can't go do what He says to do. And so He has told us a long time ago, two, over 2,000 years ago, to go and share His Gospel. So maybe we ought to pray, Lord, help me to see the possibilities of salvation. They're out there. Help me to see them. You remember John 4 and 35 when Jesus' disciples had gone away to try to get some food and they came back and they were astonished that Jesus was talking with a woman in public and moreover it was a Samaritan woman of all things in public. And so Jesus told them, he says, look, you know, I've got some food you don't know about. My food is to do the will of him that sent me, John 4 and 34. Then he said in John 4, 35, Lift up your eyes and look upon the fields, for they are white already in the harvest. Will you, will you have the faith to pray in the morning? Lord, lead me to some so, and Lord, help me to see the possibilities. Help me not to pass uh, them by. Along those lines, uh, turn over to Second Peter uh, chapter 1 for a second. Second Peter... Chapter 1. 
Notice what Peter says about seeing. He has this list of things, um, qualities that we should be adding to our lives. Second Peter 1 verse 5, um, add to your faith virtue and a virtue uh, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, and self-control, steadfastness, steadfastness, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, love. And if these qualities are yours and they keep increasing in you, they will keep you from being unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord uh, Jesus. But whoever lacks these things um, is blind and cannot see afar off. Having forgotten that he's been cleansed from his... Uh, or purge from his former sins. These qualities listed here are meant to make us more evangelistic. They're meant to make us more uh, open uh, towards sharing God's word. Uh, if these qualities decrease in us, then we become blind. We don't see what the Lord wants us uh, to see. And we forget. You see, we forget. If we could keep in memory... How precious it is to be forgiven of our sin. Then from that we would want to um, share the God. We want, we'd want somebody else to have what we have. So think about this uh, for a moment. Uh, as you think about it, pray. If you're going to talk to somebody, then pray for that somebody. And then make some lists. Everybody can do that. Make some lists and pray uh, about the names on that list. And keep those lists before you. And then thirdly here, pray to the Lord for opportunities. Now, if you're going to do this, you've got to be willing to go deeper in your faith with God. And you've got to be more daring. See, it's it's a little bit trepidatious. It's it's a little bit scary to go to God in prayer. Otherwise, uh, you know, you're talking to the Lord. Um, You're talking to the King. You're talking to the Creator talking to the one who knows all and sees all and hears all. Now, are you going to go to him and say, uh, Lord, lead me to some soul today, but then not be willing to back it up with um, attitudes and actions? And so it does take a deeper, more daring faith. Um, but uh, that's why we're here. Now, the fourth suggestion here is to, to pray for love. I would say pray for love. In fact, this is what Paul says do in Philippians 1 verse 9. If you want to glance over there and notice it for yourself, uh, Philippians 1 verse 9, uh, he said, I pray for you, brethren, and brethren at at, uh, Philippi. He says, I pray that your love may abound more and more. We never have enough love. He says, I pray that your love may abound more and more. So if we're going to pray for unbelievers, we've got to pray that we ourselves abound more and more in love. What does that mean? That simply means we want to have the love that God has for people. We want to have that. Okay. Is that possible? Is that possible? Is it possible for God's love to be in us? Is that even expected of us? Okay. Well, let's check it out. 1 John chapter 3. Hurry over there. 1 John 3. Notice what um, the Apostle says in verse 16. 1 John three sixteen, He says, By this we know love, 
that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Well, that sort of sounds like we are to have the same sort of love that God has. But then also look at chapter 4, 1 John 4, verse 7. Let's see this. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is what? Love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Well, if we ever have the Bible kind of love, it will be from God. It will be the very sort of love that He has for people. Now this is a big deal, but this is the kind of prayers we want to be praying to God. Lord, help me to have the love that You have. And then that's going to send me to my knees. That's going to send me to the Scriptures. It's going to send me thinking, but it also to send me to talk to somebody else about their soul. If we're going to pray for love, then that means that uh, we're going to become very tender, tender-hearted, tender-hearted. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it's very difficult for a cold heart to share the gospel of Jesus. Wouldn't you think so? Wouldn't you think so? Yeah, Jonah went and preached it, but his heart wasn't all there, at least not for a while. So, and then, and um, glad you said that, Mike, because you know, in Philippians one, uh, fifteen to eighteen, Paul talked about some who preached Christ, but they did it not of sincerity, but of envy and strife, hoping to kind of somehow injure Paul in doing what they were doing. Uh, but for uh, the most part, it's hard to share Christ and have a, have a cold love. Okay. Matthew 24, you'll remember Jesus' words in verses 12 and 13. He says, because of iniquity, because sin is so dominant, because of iniquity, the love of many grows cold, waxes cold. King James says, waxes cold. So as we pray for love, we pray and we think about how we've got to be, be so much more tender-hearted um, and grow in that, be more like the Lord um, in His love. Then, um, if we're going to grow in love and pray for love, then also we won't be compassionate like God. Or, in other words, we want to see uh, people through God's eyes. That's the big thing. See, how does God look at people? How does he view people? We'll be able to see them through God's eyes. Do we ever stop and think as we pray that we wish we were not sinners, of course, first. And if you're like me, you get frustrated at yourself because you feel like you fall short. But then we, we also wish other people would do right. Why are they not doing right? Okay. And that's a normal frustration to have. But also, the Lord can help us to look beyond that and really know that uh, a sinner is truly lonely. One who is living for the world may be surrounded by a bunch of friends and a bunch of activities, but that's one of the loneliest people on, on the face of the earth. 
They're lonely. They're without Christ. They're without God. They don't know the Lord. And that person is very brokenhearted. There's a lot of broken lives, brokenheartedness, a lot of pain. So as we, as we pray for love, we want to remember how compassionate the Lord is and um, try to be more like Him and to see really deep down that people deep down, regardless of the face that they're putting on or, or the uh, life that's, that you see, deep down they would be hurting very badly because they're not uh, walking with Christ. And they're very concerned about themselves. Um, someone said several years ago, and this is, this is probably not correct now, but they said several, several years ago, they said um, every, in the United States, every 21 minutes, someone is murdered. Every five minutes, someone is raped. And every 46 seconds, someone is robbed. And, of course, that's very tragic, but think about those people. Think about the people doing those violent, violent acts, but also think about the victims of that. And then think about all of that being your prayers, and then think about how the Hebrews 2, verse 9 says, Jesus died for all these people. Jesus didn't just die for us. Jesus died for everyone, even those who would commit a violent act, even those who would receive a violent act. Um, Jesus died for every one of them. So, uh, as we pray for unbelievers, then we pray to the Lord to help us uh, to love like He loves. Now, a fifth suggestion would be to pray that others would see Jesus living in us. Now, what scripture can you think that would support that idea? Praying that others would see Jesus living in us, especially when you think about reaching others. Uh, with the gospel. What, any scripture comes to your mind along those lines? Galatians 2.20 verse 6.20 verse 6.20 I'm by the crowd and nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ lives in me. Okay. Galatians 2.20 my, my, makes reference to that and that's an excellent one to think about. Uh, Galatians 2.20 where Paul says I am crucified with Christ uh, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. He lives in me. Okay. Any other thoughts along those lines? Any other verses? Kim, what is the one you think about? You say to us, the reason of the hope that's in us. Um, that one is bad not to ask you. Okay. What? No chocolate and coffee tonight? That's the thing to do right before church. Chocolate and coffee. You got here and there was no coffee in me? Think about 1 Peter 3.15 where uh, Peter says, Sanctify in your hearts Jesus as Lord. And be ready always to give an answer to anyone who asks you concerning the reason of the hope that is in you. And do it with meekness and fear. Uh, that's what we want. We want people to ask us about our faith. They need to see Jesus living in us. Uh, they need to see a lot of things different about us. And that would bring out a curiosity 
uh, from them. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, Paul says, Follow me as I follow Christ, or be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. That was, that's a bold statement for Paul to make. He did it. And um, can we do the same? Can, can I recommend, recommend my life as a pattern for someone to get started uh, in following Christ? You know, did they see, did they see the pattern of Christ uh, in me? And so we need to pray fervently that people will see Jesus living in us. That's how we pray for a lost world. And then next, in the next place, we need to pray for boldness. Boldness. What do you think boldness means? Boldness. Similar to faith, but what is it? Not exactly faith. Preach it in season, out of season. Second Timothy four two. Okay. Preach with boldness. Paul did ask uh, in Ephesians six uh, eighteen to twenty. He asked the Ephesians to pray that he would may he may have the boldness to open up his mouth. And so, if he asked for that, then we need to pray to the Lord uh, for boldness. It's much easier just to not say anything. You're standing there with your neighbor. You're standing there talking to someone. You're standing there uh, in front of Walmart. You're standing there at the doctor's office. You're standing somewhere. You know this person you're talking to is not in a New Testament relationship with the Lord. It's so much easier not to say anything. No one's going to know that you didn't say anything except the Lord. He's going to know. If you don't say anything, probably you're going to be liked by people a lot more. People are probably going to come to you for a lot of good advice except for advice on getting to heaven. It just takes an extra step, three or four steps of courage to actually open our mouth. Boldness. Boldness. It doesn't mean rudeness. Boldness is not rudeness. But boldness is not silence either. It has to come out of our mouth. Uh, what did Jesus say, Matthew 12, 34? Uh, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, you know that's true. You know that's true. Think about your children. It comes into their minds, it comes out of their mouth. Okay. It's true also in the adult stage. We speak what's in our hearts. So we pray for boldness. And then uh, let's close up here with Matthew chapter 9. Advice from Jesus here. Um, Looking down to verse 36. You remember this. um, The people were distressed and scattered as sheep not having a shepherd. And then... um, Jesus had compassion on them. But verse 37, Matthew 9, 37, He said to His disciples, The harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest that He would send out workers into His harvest. So, the final suggestion here is to pray for more workers. Pray for those who are working. Pray for more workers. Perhaps 
uh, you haven't worked up yourself to be able to follow every suggestion. I think we've given seven tonight, but there are some that all of us can do. Here's one, uh, is to pray for workers. Pray for those who are trying to speak and, um, and pray for them. Pray, pray for more workers, more workers. Uh, these last um, three weeks, we've had um, really three different missionaries in here, Tanzania, South Texas, and in India. And we learned that the world is a very, very big place with scores and scores of people everywhere, people who need Christ. It's overwhelming. One thing we can do is pray for more workers, pray for more people to be convicted of the gospel and start talking about it. And so uh, this is what we want to do. And we want to say, well, uh, pray for the one you're going to talk to. Make lists as you pray. Continue keep a list. Pray for opportunities. Right? Pray for love, especially to love like God loves. Pray that others will see Jesus living in us. Also pray for boldness, courage. And pray for more workers. Because, you know, even um, Jesus uh, didn't attempt to do this all by himself. Um, he, got, he went back. He's on the right hand of God. He has left it in our hands. It is not a task for one person or for one group of people. We need more people who are willing to labor. Thank you so much for um, exploring this idea. And I pray that you'll just take this and kind of continue to meditate on it, pray about it. There's so much that comes under the banner of prayer. It's just really amazing. And so I thought that we would open that back up for just a little while uh, this evening. Okay.